Okay, welcome back everyone. I hope everyone enjoyed the break and had a chance to network and grab a fresh cup of coffee. For our next session, we're gonna discuss how government agencies can leverage modern technologies to carry out any mission of any caliber. Please join me in welcoming to the stage our moderator, Nick Zitzen, Chief Strategy and Corporate Affairs Officer at ServiceNow, and Lieutenant General Robert Skinner, Director of Defense Information Systems Agency and Commander of Joint Forces Headquarters, Department of Defense Information Network. Boy, that's some nice play on music that you got there. General, thank you very much. I, I, I want to welcome you to Federal Forum. I want to thank you. Two quick messages in that regard. One lighthearted. As we're back among people, it is remarkable to me how many colleagues from ServiceNow I've met for the first time in person versus in a video meeting, and how many of them have said how much shorter I am in real life than they thought I would be. So I want to thank you for not greeting me that way this morning. And second, on a much more serious note, in this uncertain moment in time in the world, I want to thank you for your leadership, for your service, and all the women and men under your command. It's an honor for all of us to have you with us today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll tell you, I'm, you know, A, I'm honored to be here first and foremost, but, but I'll tell you, I'm mostly honored to be uh, a good teammate, uh, having a great team that we work together with. We have great partners, whether it's industry, academia, um, whether it's other mission partners within the federal government and the, the Department of Defense. The, the way that we've come together, whether it's during the crisis piece of things that we're, that's going on today or just during competition, um, I don't think we have seen partnership as great as it is today than it's ever been. So It's great. So maybe to set the stage for all of our guests here, um, it's a big remit that you lead, Director of the Defense Information Systems Agency, Commander, Joint Force Headquarters, Department of Defense Information Network. It's possible that some of our guests may not understand the full scope and remit. How, how could you explain a little bit about what's under your, your, your command? So it, it's very interesting, right? Because it's, uh, in one sense, on the JFHQ Doden side, um, we're an operational level C2 headquarters under US Cyber Command, and we give direction out to what I call a federated republic. So we've, I'll say, partitioned the DODEN, which is, oh, by the way, the DOD network is over 300 million IP addresses, which is more than any other country but one, or actually two, with the US and China. Um, so that's a huge network. And so we've kind of split that up into 45 different areas of operation where we've actually give direction to those entities to secure, operate, and, and defend it. And one of those entities is the Defense Information Systems Agency. So I always have to be cautious of when I put an order out from JFHQ Doden that when I receive it as the DISA director, that I'm happy with it. Because <laughs> a lot of times I'm unhappy with what JFHQ Doden is doing on the DISA hat, so I always have to balance that. Um, DISA as an organization is about 19,000 uh, military, civilian, and contractor force. We have about a $12 billion budget uh, through working capital and general fund, and that's a lot of capacity. But that capacity is nothing without the partnerships that we have across the board. And so that's kind of the expansiveness of, of what we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
And whether it's competition, crisis, and or conflict, we are engaged 24 by seven um, each and every day, uh, get, getting after the things that our department needs to communicate, to ensure command and control, and to um, provide the support for warfighters. Excellent, thank you for the overview. You do speaking engagements a lot. Do you remember how hot these lights were? I'm boiling right now. It's remarkable. <laughs> I don't know if it's intentional, but it's like impressive how much heat they generate. Yes. Um, so, and, I, and all I see is blue light. <laughs> so I can't see anything either. <laughs> the, um, the concept of digital transformation. I mean, it's, it's talked about, everybody uses that term. You've talked about the size and scope of the organization that you run. I know that you've been on a digital transformation journey. You know, how can you level set what that means to you and how your agenda as the leader you know, has advanced that, that agenda? It, it's very interesting. As, as, as we kind of talked a little bit uh, before this, uh, if you ask 10 individuals what digital transformation means, you get 10 different answers. Um, what I like to look at it is, is how are we progressing and leveraging the digital technology to get after what our warfighters need and to get after what our, our customers and our mission partners need. What, what we've done within the agency, and, and I'll talk mainly today on what we're doing within the agency, but I'm happy to have a, a discussion on, on the Joint Force Headquarters Doden part. Um, but from an agency standpoint, what we've really done is, last October, is we kind of put in, in, uh, in play three different key components of where we're trying to go from a digital transformation standpoint. The first one was a restructure and a, I'll say reorganization, it was more of a restructure, to really flatten the organization into four key areas that has a sports structure so we can really get after some, some key points. The first one is our, our, our digital capabilities and, and security directorate, uh, which is led by Jason Martin. And those are, most of you will know those as the ones that provide the enterprise services, whether it's mobility, whether it's the thing we're doing from cybersecurity, um, the Joint in, uh, Integrated Test Command is, is there, Joint Interoperability uh, Test Command is there. And so th they're focused on kind of mainly what you see as a user. Then we have the Hosting and Computing Center, the hackers as they call themselves. And this is where leveraging innovation to transform, we brought those from the Cloud Computing Program Office, uh, who are, the are really innovators, to our ecosystem, who's been there a while, who's got some great talent, and bringing them together so we can, so the ecosystem can be transformed with modern technology and, and modern think. Then the, the third one is kind of our enterprise integration and innovation center. DISA has never had an organization that is solely responsible to cross cut across the agency for innovation. Mr. Roger Greenwell is, is leading the, uh, that effort. That's where Steve Wallace, uh, from an emerging technology standpoint, they, that's where, where they, they come together to drive that. And then the final area is our, I'll say, our Ops and Infrastructure Center, which is led by Mr. Don Means. They are the ones who, from an assured C2 and from an infrastructure standpoint, and from our command and control, so all of our field commands and field offices, that's where they come together under Mr. Don Means that's providing the support to the combatant commands, which as a combat support agency, is key and critical to what we're doing. Then we have our strategic plan, which I, I'm happy to go in uh, in different parts where we have five LOEs, and those who've heard me talk, you know, the number one priority within the agency is assured C2. 
And how do we modernize, how, how do we, I'll say stabilize, ensure and modernize and transform how we do command and control in the department and how we can leverage the digital technology to get after that. We have TDM switches, we have prominence, we have all kinds of old technology that today is not best value anymore. Um, and it, oh, by the way, it, because it's getting older, it's harder to maintain and harder to assure that, that command and control. We have four other LOEs I'm happy to talk to as we, as we get into other questions. And then we've aligned our budget, which strategy without a budget is a pipe dream. And while I will never turn down additional dollars <laughs> from the department, um, we are aligning our resources to those priorities that enables our organizational structure to really get after the organizational design that we're trying to do. In order to truly have digital transformation and transform how we do business, which is what I look at when we say transform, it's how do you transform how you do business, leveraging technology to meet the future needs of our warfighters. So let Long me, answer, I apologize. No, 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 it's, the, it's a good answer. Let me ask you about a few themes, right? Everybody in the audience is, 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 is fundamentally pursuing several similar themes and conversations in their, in their day-to-day life. Uh, leveraging data, certainly one of those things. This has been a lifelong, dare I say, a career-long priority for you. As you think about all the different initiatives that you have sponsored, that you're leading, that the agency is leading, what takeaways would you give you know, the audience about what you've learned about how to pursue data centricity and how decisions are made, how organizations are run? Uh, not very well. <laughs> How's that for the We didn't prepare that answer. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so our LOE three is leveraging data as a center of gravity. Um, DISA, as an example, never had a, a chief data officer. Never had a chief data office function and or office. So we've changed that. We have, uh, uh, Caroline Kaharsik is our uh, acting CDO. And what we've asked her to do, and actually she, she's dragging us as an agency, is how do you leverage all the data that's out there to make the right decisions and to provide the right capabilities. Bandwidth to me is not an issue. Storage to me is not, now bandwidth in certain parts is an issue, yes. Um, storage is not an issue. So we've taken those off the table. Um, but what you gotta be able to do is how can you access that data? Because you, you can talk machine learning, you can talk artificial intelligence, you can talk all these, I, I'll say from Chief Clink, let's talk about the, the IT bingo game, right? You can talk, you can use all these terms, but if you don't have a good understanding of the data and how it's accessible and how it's interoperable to provide those decisions, then, then those, those concepts are, I'll say, foreign and they're sub-optimized. So what we're trying to do is, so how do we define and understand the, all the data that we have? How do we make it, I'll say, more structured, but at least accessible? Because you don't want to go down the path of everything has to be a certain structure because you're gonna limit your opportunities. How do you ensure it's all accessible to then make the right decisions? As an example, we have so many different instruments, so many different sensors on the networks. You know, this is 300 million IP spaces, IP addresses. We're not leveraging half of those I would offer. And in order to truly understand what is going on in your organization, in your systems and in your network, you've got to understand that data and kind of bring it all together. That's what Caroline's working on to try and bring, at least from an agency standpoint, 
Um, we own all the internet access points from a Department of Defense standpoint. We own the 10 main ones. We don't own all of them. There's a lot of data that, that goes through those each and every day. How do we better leverage that with what we have? Applications, applications tell you a whole bunch of things. Um, and there's millions of applications within the, the, the Department of Defense that can be leveraged to better understand what's going on. So I'll follow up to that, but before I do, I'm not a doctor, but I remember reading an article that um, uh, temperatures over 115 degrees, you should hydrate. So I could offer you some room temperature water if you'd like any. Um, <clears throat> Is this just water? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I remember when I was uh, when I was on the civilian side in federal service, uh, the challenge with respect to everybody having their own system, uh, and as a result, everybody creating new sets of data that really are transparent only to an individual part of the organization and not available to the entirety of the organization. As you sit at the very top of a very large organization, again, as people come in and present things to you, thinking about the entirety of the organization, whether or not things are aligned, what, are people looking at this truly in an enterprise fashion? Uh, again, this is tough advice, I think, for people to get because they've never lived and they've never sat in the seat that you sit in. Is that fair? Yes. And, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, the, I'll say the Department of Defense is, is very PowerPoint-centric, um, as other organizations are. Um, there's been a lot of effort over the last few years to get away from PowerPoint and leveraging the virtual environment, mm -hmm. leveraging the data that's out there, leveraging those systems so that as you're, as an example, as we're going through our strategic plan, we have action items that, that we have tasked out to all the different organizations. Well, those are in a, those are virtually. So at any point in time, somebody can go in and they can see exactly the progress that's being made um, with, with those, those action items. That's how we run, that's how we are running our different administrative meetings and our strategic planning meetings is what is out there. It's not PowerPoint. Um, so we're not having somebody having to ham jam something in. It is, it is there and that's, uh, so that's kind of how we are mm -hmm. trying to leverage just as a small example um, in any other places, as we're doing our operations update meetings. Yeah. Um, and we have all, just taking the 10 IEPs, for example, we're bringing data in from those IEPs to show kind of what's happening at the boundary, for example. You know, what's happening with our email gateway, which is blocking millions of emails a day that are, that are malicious. Um, so we're leveraging the data from them as a means to run the organization and they get all the different pieces. What I'd offer is we don't necessarily have an enterprise view per se because we still don't have all those data feeds identified and into the, into the right systems, but we're well on our way. Mm -hmm. Let me get your reaction to two other themes that I think are prevalent, themes that we talk about a lot. Um, one of them is future of work. You're competing for talent. You want people to stay and to feel fulfilled. Uh, there's an intersection there. Technology's part of it, culture's part of it. You know, how do you think about where things are going? If, if, if at all we all believe this new normal, post-pandemic, future work environment, what are your thoughts on that topic that you'd like to share? Yes, I, I don't think we know what the, the new normal is. Um, I don't think we're there yet. Um, I, I think the, the pendulum swings left and right. You know, everybody's in the office, nobody's in the office. And now we've kind of come, come back and forth. What, the way we try to think about it is, it's got to be based on the mission. Um, we always want to take care of our people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's first and foremost. But the mission's still got to get, get done. So how do we make sure that the mission is done in, a mo in the most optimized manner? So for example, 
um, if there are things that have to be done in, in an office location, whether it's based on classification or other things, then that needs to be done and people need to be in the office. Um, if things can be done remotely, because we've got to have a mobile force. And what I offer is while the force doesn't necessarily have to be mobile each and every day, we've got to be able to surge from a mobile standpoint. And so we've got to have mobility there. But we can't think about it as individuals, right? There's a team component of this that to truly understand the culture of an organization, you understand that through the teamwork and the teaming that happens. And I would offer from a virtual standpoint, um, you may be missing something from a team aspect. While your position and you can be great at working 100% mobile and 100% off the office, is that the same for the team that, that you are a part of? Is that the same for the team as an organization? And so I think that we're gonna be in a hybrid, and I think the new normal is a hybrid of sorts based on the mission and based on the, the, the person, but just as important as based on the organization mm -hmm. and that organizational team and, and how can you have that, that cohesiveness. Well, one of the things that, that, we, that I think we've learned a little bit is um, we were, I would say, probably, and I'm just throwing these numbers out, about 80%, 90% in the office before pre-COVID. During COVID, we're about 20% in the, 20, 25% in the office at, at any one time. I think the agency did amazing work at the beginning of the pandemic because those relationships were already there. People knew each other, they knew how they operated, they knew how they acted, um, and it, it carried us for, for a very long time. What we've been working through is how do you sustain that where you flip the model of not 80-20, but 20-80. Um, and I don't think either model is, is the best. So we're, we're continuing working through from an organizational standpoint is how do you maintain the right social aspect? Um, and I think this is a national issue as, as, you, as we think about the, the, the pandemic, is there's a national issue of not understanding the social aspects, and I don't think those will manifest themselves for five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Just a quick instant poll. Show of hands, three months from now, how many of you believe that the federal workforce will be back to pre-pandemic in terms of its office behavior? How many think it will be different? I think to your point, nobody knows where exactly where it's going to go. Uh, one more theme for you. Everybody's fundamentally in a customer service environment. We're trying to serve citizens. In your case, you're trying to serve the warfighter. You're trying to serve other stakeholders across DOD. Um, what is the future of customer service? How are you reorienting the agency to think more uh, in terms of modern tactics and tools in that regard? How, how are we successful in the new normal? That, that's really what we're, we're trying to think through because it's not the normal, you know, get, get, get folks together um, and then, and then uh, fan out, get together, fan out. I think there's, there's a new normal of kind of how do we leverage the, the technology in the right place at the right time but also have that interpersonal relationships with our mission partners because that, that will, will never go away because you, you build trust with those interpersonal relationships. Um, but my request to industry um, and, and others is to continue uh, help the government and help others determine how to get best value for all parties. Um, th that's what it is at, at the end of the day. It, it's not the sell, it's the best value to tackle the problem sets that we have today. Um, and people have heard me talk, I, and I'll throw out licensing. I'll tell you, licensing is a, is a uh, I won't say I'm on the war path because it's not a, um, but I'm really focused on, do we have licensing right for the government? 
right? We have some enterprise licenses, but then when you, when you see the price point of enterprise licenses, and sometimes you see subcontracts and, and sub non-JLA, non-enterprise license, that has a better price point. I'm going, well, how does that, that, that should never happen in, in my eyes. Um, also, if, if the government is asking for something that you know darn well the government will never take advantage of, help us. I just ask, I just ask you to, to help us. Um, there's no single individual, no single contracting officer, no single organization who knows exactly what is necessary, but as from a partnership, that'll work. I'll give you a perfect example. We have contracts where, from a true-up standpoint, where we'll say, the government wants to be able to true-up every month. Well, if to true-up every month, there's a risk associated with the reseller and, and or the, the company. So in order to accept that risk, the price is higher, which we all know darn well that the government has, I won't say never, rarely would be able to true up each month. And so working together, is it a six month true up? Is it a one year true up? Because again, we want to be accurate and we want to be fair and we, 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 we want to have, have best value on both parts. You know, if you want, we could bring Steve back up here and you could grill him on some of these themes. <laughs> Steve, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I won't say what company that was. I'll no, leave that uh, to uh, Present company excluded, obviously. <laughs> um, so general, uh, Believe it or not, you know, we, we go through these conversations so fast. I, I think, again, thinking about our audience here, they, they hold you in the highest esteem, as, we, as do we, in respect for the organization, the agency that you run, the command that you have. But they look at you as a leader, uh, first and foremost. And if you could give everyone some leadership advice, this is a remarkable time in world history. Um, seemingly, everything is going against bringing people together and concentrating people on a mission and a purpose. Um, how do you think about your role as a leader of, of, of people on a daily basis? What advice would you give to this audience about how they might think about themselves as leaders uh, at, this, at this delicate time? As, as things are, more, I'll say, more chaotic, um, we look at, at a couple of different things. First is diversity of thought. Um, Surround yourselves as, as senior leaders with diversity of thought um, so that we're getting the best advice as decisions are being made. Um, I think so, sometimes individuals will really clamp down with just one or two individuals and, and try to go through. Um, we're missing a great, uh, great opportunity. We've got to be agile. Um, one of the things that, we've, that I've learned a long time ago is if you're looking for 100% of the data, to make the perfect decision, you will never make a decision. Um, you have to be agile, you have to be flexible, and get as much information as you can to make a sound decision. And, and one of the things that we always talk about is, is the decision reversible? Or is it, once you make that decision, then there, there's no going back? If it's reversible, I think there's additional risk that, that you can take. Um, and delegating that down to the lowest level and let them run at, because mis mistakes will be made. If it's something that's, that's irreversible, then that's probably where you want to take a little bit more time, uh, gather a little bit more data, but not 100%. So in today's day and age, um, the ability to be agile uh, is key in, in my eyes. And, and, and then I'll say that the final thought is um, always take care of yourselves too. Um, as senior leader, if you don't take care of yourself, um, then you can't take care of others. 
And so it, it's been, in fact, my team tells me a lot that, okay, sir, it's time to go home because um, you, you need a break. I think they're actually saying is, we need a break from you. <laughs> um, um, but always have, have somebody there that can, you know, a, a, a person who, who can, who's watching you too. Because um, as you're taking care of your teams, as you're taking care of others, somebody else has to also help you take care of yourself. Because it's a journey and it's, it's the long game, no matter what crisis is happening. Well, General, I hope I, that helps. I, that was very helpful. I want to thank you, um, first of all, as a, as a, as a partner. Um, we appreciate that and the opportunity to work together. I want to thank you as a, as a leader. Uh, and I want to end where I began, at a moment in time where, frankly, none of us know what's to come. I think the reason that we all sleep at night is because we know we have you and the women and men under your command, uh, the greatest fighting force ever in the history of the world, and we owe you a debt of gratitude for that. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. Good talking to you.